Hello, this is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. The name of the show is Across the Pond because we're recording over here on the east coast of the United States. Uh, and w every week we get to talk about red letter Christianity, which by that we mean the, the old Bibles, which had the words of Jesus illuminated in red. We're, we're asking the question, what if Jesus meant the stuff he said? Uh, what if we lived as if Jesus meant that we are to love our enemies and sell what we have and give it to the poor? And for us, Jesus is the lens through which we interpret the whole Bible. Jesus is a lens through which we interpret how to live in the world we're in right now. And uh, it, it's an incredible thing. So we get to, we get to like, also have guests on uh, the show from all over the world. And this is a really special week because we've got Dr. Wendy Ryan uh, in South Africa. Tony, tell us about her. Well, she, uh, she comes from the Caribbean, and uh, she came to Eastern University, and she studied uh, here at Eastern. So she's a graduate of the school. All three of us, you, uh, Wendy, and myself, we're all graduates of Eastern University. And uh, she went from there to be a, a, a communications director for American Baptist Churches USA, and then from there to uh, work for the Baptist World Alliance. Uh, surveying uh, Baptist work all over the world, seeing what missionaries are doing. And upon retirement from this prestigious position, she decided herself to be a missionary in South Africa. Evangeline Ministries is her work. Uh, Wendy, tell us about Evangeline Ministries and what you do. Well, first, let me say how delighted I am to be on this program across the pond. I am at the bottom of two huge ponds, which would be the Indian Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean in Cape Town, South Africa. And here, I run an organization, Evangelion Ministries, that teaches life skills, primarily in the beginning, to people who were HIV positive. But now we would say to disadvantage of women, and they come out of a township of Masi Pumalele. But just before I say some more, let me say that I am here in South Africa for 13 years at the end of a quest that started when I met Tony Campolo at Eastern, then college, now university. And the trajectory of my life and my Christian thinking was radically changed because of Tony's dynamic gospel and especially the part that talked about justice and the poor. So here I am, all of these years later, working among the poorest of the poor in Cape Town, South Africa, with people, and again, mostly women, who have not benefited from 25 years of post-apartheid freedom, mm. who are, for the most part, uneducated and completely unskilled, and um, they really have little hope. What can they do? And when we talk about ministry, we most certainly talk about the work of the Holy Spirit that led me here in 2005 to an HIV and AIDS hospice, then back to do uh, writing because that is my skill, and then to obey God in something that is not my skill, running a, a program that began with sewing and now uh, is a part of the skills that include computer skills, hmm. uh, basic English skills and then uh, biblically-based life lessons. You, well, you have a unique Thank approach. Uh, you, uh, yes. When you started Evangeline Ministries, uh, you taught women 
how to use sewing machines and yes. uh, make clothing uh, that could be sold and that has sold clothing provided an income for women who hitherto had no real basis for earning money to take care of their children. Uh, you brought these women into this training program and uh, taught them how to use sewing machines to make uh, clothing. Uh, but when they finished the program, uh, they they were without a sewing machine, weren't they? Or, or how did they get a sewing correct. machine of their own? Absolutely correct. Now, let me just say something that is remarkable about our program. I cannot sew and really have little interest in sewing. So <laughs> I know people are amazed when I say that, but that is the genius of our God. So what have I done? I asked the women what they needed. I didn't tell them. They said to me, sewing. And so one of the basic understandings for ministry is when God says something, just begin to do it. But because I cannot sew, I have had to employ local people who have been then empowered in sewing. So let's go back to what they do. They began by making bags, and we sold those bags all over the world. And then the women have gone on to make dresses because they wear traditional dresses. I teach mostly Kosa people, speaking people, the people with a click. And, um, and so their traditional dresses are central to everything they do, but you cannot buy them mm. in any of the stores around here. So when, we, when they sew, all of them will sew uh, traditional dresses because in order to graduate from the program, you have to be able to design, sew, and wear your garment. Now, we realized in the beginning that if we taught women to sew and sent them home with no sewing machine, we had completely wasted our time. So the sewing machine is the key to the program. First, it keeps the women in the program. And I should say, in fairness, we have now and then a few good men. It keeps the women in the program because they work towards something. And when they are finished, the sewing machine then helps them to increase their income. Many of them get a small child grant from the government. But by being able to sew garments, skirts, and uh, choir robes, and choir hats, and all of the traditional things needed for their culture, it really helps them to make a living. And of course, others have gone on to some rather stellar careers in design, in making other things as well. You need I to emphasize the that fact that upon the completion of the program, these women get to keep the sewing machine yes. that Absolutely. they have been utilizing in their training. Mm. Yes. They get to and keep so the machines. Us for six months at a time, they sit at those sewing machines, and when they graduate, we give them the same sewing machine, the same make and model. Mm. So when they go home, they are completely comfortable with their sewing machine, and they know how to care for the sewing machine. That's great. Mm. Uh, y listen, yeah. you also do a pretty effective job in uh, making sure that these women uh, have a time for Bible study and reflection on the gospel. And uh, as I've read your newsletters over the years, I... Uh, I've been thrilled at the testimonies of people who have come to know Christ as personal Savior and Lord in the context of this training program. Could you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. One of the things that I have learned in ministry is that my first job is to tell the students how much God loves them. 
Now, you can imagine they live in abject poverty. They live in cultural exclusion. They work for people who think so little of them. They have a faith, but their faith is filled with fear. And the women who come to us are so oftentimes abused. So when they come to us, they are ready to hear about someone who loves them more than they could ever realize. And one of the first things, the key to getting them to trust Jesus is first to show them in the book of Genesis that when God made everything and every human being, God said it was good. And the word for good and closer is kulungile. So we talk about every one of them being kulungile. God said it was not only kulungile, but very kulungile. And so that gets their attention. And then we take them, I take them through uh, the book of John, but particularly uh, with Jesus and how Jesus treated women and how Jesus loved women. And then because they lived with such uh, suffering in many ways to the cross, where they see a, a Savior who was betrayed and who suffered and who understands their suffering and who cares for them. And, and I also tell them that God called Mary, a poor woman, to greatness. And God calls each one of them to greatness. Mm. And, and that is the basis. So by the time we get to the end of our program, we are ready to say, those of you who have not trusted Jesus and who would love to allow Jesus to lead you so that you can make right decisions and you can live now and have no fear in the next life. And it is a wonderful evangelistic tool. Uh, sometimes the students come to us and they already know a Savior, but they don't know the Bible. And so they do not know from the Bible how much God cares and how not to be ripped off by people who will take their money and tell them all kinds of things in order to give them peace of mind and peace of soul. So the biblical part is an indispensable component um, of what we do. Absolutely. And as we take just a minute uh, for a break, uh Wendy, tell us where folks can go to find more information about your your work at Evangeline Ministries. Yes, we have a website, Evangeline Ministries Online. You will read all about us there, see some of our recent newsletters, and find uh, PayPal or ways in which you can contribute, and now you can do it through Zella. We really um, need this support and would very much appreciate the support. Beautiful. So that's Dr. Wendy Ryan. She's our guest this week uh, Uh, calling in from South Africa, where she's doing beautiful work with Evangeline Ministries. We're going to hear more from her in just a second, but uh, we want to pause just to say thanks for joining us. This is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. We get to do this every week. We get to do this show across the pond and have friends from all over the world that are, are doing beautiful things to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, to try to live out the words of Jesus, uh, And really, uh, it's about connecting our gifts and our passions to the world that we're living in. And we're hearing about an incredible woman doing that uh, in South Africa with Evangeline Ministries. Uh, So Wendy Ryan uh, has uh, some connections to our work here at Eastern University with Tony and I. Um, 
but has has been doing this beautiful work. And I have to say, Wendy, I'm I'm I am a a little bit of a seamster or seamstress. Uh, yeah, seamster. you make your own clothes, don't you? <laughs> I do love making stuff. But everywhere I I go, it's it's cool to see these little micro businesses starting. And I've seen them in Calcutta, India. We've seen them, you know, even here in North Philadelphia. Folks that are using their skills in a missional micro business. Um, uh, and and one of my friends who started this uh, one of these businesses said. People need Jesus and a job, yeah. uh, you know, Absolutely. and it, it, it's, it's hard to just offer Jesus and not a way for folks to really um, have dignity to, and, and ways that they can sustain their lives. Um, and that, that's exactly what you're doing. So tell us tell us a little bit more about maybe one of the stories of someone who's because when, when they come out of the program, do they then um, how do they continue that work? Is it do they continue to be employed? Do they start their own clothing uh, businesses or? Uh, how does it work once they graduate and take their sewing machine home? Okay, there are a variety of things, but let me first tell you about one of my first students. She died with HIV and AIDS, but when she came to us, she had almost died the first time because the antiretroviral drugs were not readily available. And she had twins, and the uh, State had taken away, the social worker had taken away the twins from Kumi because she couldn't care for them. So we started this sewing program, and I, could, I will never forget the sight of Kumi in her white hospital gown coming up the steps to our sewing room, and she quickly learned to sew. And then um, I heard that Kumi had, without my permission, taken one of the sewing machines into the hospital room, mm. and she was sewing bags and selling bags, which eventually the income from that allowed her to bring the children back home with her. She is my inspiration. Mm. And eventually, um, in those days, you had to take so many drugs to combat AIDS, and it was discouraging. And then she began to feel better, and once she felt better, she stopped taking the drugs, and then she succumbed. HIV and AIDS, but to this day, Kumi is my inspiration. Mm. Now we move to our current story, and this is a man, Kolani. And Kolani came to us uh, two years ago and learned to sew. And before you knew it, he was in design, and he designed some of the most beautiful bags that are sold all over Cape Town now, and even I carry his bags. Um, so we, we have so many more of those stories. Now the women have a choice. After they leave us, we have the next step, which is called the sewing cafe. And they can go to the sewing cafe and enhance their skills further and work there on the industrial sewing machines. But most of them choose to stay at home and sew traditional garments, Mm. which are coverings for your hair, which they sew out of felt and they bead them. Um, the aprons, as I say, the frilly aprons for the choirs or the big the choir dresses. Uh, and we have magnificent choirs in South Africa, but mostly for traditional uh, religion, but for weddings and funerals and um, any celebration. It's the shui shui cloth that they use uh, to make these traditional clothes. And most of them do that at home and have their own little businesses. And I tell you, wherever I meet my students, the, my first question are you sewing? Yes, we are sewing and doing very well. And they send me pictures of 
bedspreads and, 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 and bed linen for their homes and, and, and most of the things that they need, track suits for their children in the winter, mm. a variety of things, yes, that they sew in their own little businesses. You know, one of the things I've learned is that coming from the poverty in which they live, they are very entrepreneurial. And everyone who comes to our class, when we ask them, what would you like to do? Everybody start my own business. It's not realistic for everybody, but that is the goal of everyone. They write it down, and that is their heart's desire to start their own business. But I should say also that with the computer skills they learn, now keep in mind that when they come to us, they have never learned to sew, and they have never done anything on the computer. They have never had a certificate for anything. So one of the big things we do is we give certificates, Bibles, sewing machines. But if you do well on your computer skills, you can also get jobs, entry-level jobs, in a lot of the businesses in our area. So when I walk into a lot of the shopping centers, I see my graduates at the till in different stores because that certificate gives them much meaning, builds self-esteem and Mm. confidence, Mm. and it makes them more employable because they can work on the computer. No, you uh, you need to hear the scope of this thing. Uh, you've done this for several years. Uh, what is the typical size of a group of women who go through this program in a given year? I mean, you've been at it for several years now. How many graduates do you graduate in a given year? All right. So I've been at this for 13 years, and uh, we have a maximum of 48 women a year that we take in, and we generally graduate about uh, 42 women or 40 to 42 women a year because some come in and because of ill health, the health of their children, the death of family members, they have to leave us. I would also like to say that all of the tuition, I am a part of a six-member staff, the other five equally empowered. I, also, I want to say that not only are the women empowered, but our teachers mm. came to us with no work, no hope. They have grown in leadership skills and in and, 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 and confidence. And, but for the students, everything is free of charge, which includes a nutritious lunchtime meal. And we have given away more than 600 sewing machines not only to our students, because there are some other programs that we have helped as well. But in a year, we have a maximum for 48 students, 24 in two six-month semesters. So we have wonderful turnover. We are getting ready to graduate uh, 19 students, because one just left, again, through the death of a family member, Mm. next week. And we have already close to... um, 65 uh, applicants, of which we can only take 24. Wow. Wow. We so are inundated with applicants, yes. Evangeline Ministries, if you want to find out more, they should go to the website. I imagine yes. the website is Evangeline Ministries. Give us the whole call letters. Yes, so it's www.evangelineministries.com. And this, this has been Wendy Ryan that we're talking to, Dr. Wendy Ryan, South Africa. Uh, you know, as, yeah. as you consider the, 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 the 
access to health care and, and medication for some of the folks that you're caring about. You, you, your work's very holistic and creating the jobs, the income, and the, uh, the confidence to do all this. Uh, are you also finding the, the, that uh, um, pursuing some of the, the, the justice issues around access to health care and things, is that a part of, of your work as well, or is that something that ends up uh, being connected as an extension of your work? It is not uh, actively a part of my work, although I do what I can for the students to encourage them to be advocates. Yeah. Now, because of the of their poverty, one of the hardest things is for them to look above the breadline. Mm. When they come to us, they want a home. They want to eat. They want to send their children to school. The biggest um, justice action we have right now is not around healthcare, but around housing. Mm. And one of the, the one of the real uh, areas of unrest and tension in our township and all across this magnificent country of South Africa is that post-apartheid housing is still not available to the vast majority of poor South Africans. They live in horrible conditions. So. When I first came, um, the government was not bringing in enough antiretroviral drugs. That changed. Currently, we see some of that still, but the whole area of healthcare, it is available free of charge to people who are HIV positive. So much so that we do not even ask our students if they are HIV positive. We know when they have to go to the clinic. But one of the biggest, two biggest challenges, education, and housing, and our advocacy is around a lot of that. There's another fantastic ministry, the Warehouse, which I know you know, which does magnificent work um, on behalf of all kinds of ad- advocacy that I, I just wonderfully support. But we, we, we here focus a lot more on housing issues. Beautiful. Yeah, and I, I felt that uh, real poignantly when I was there. You know, I've been to Cape Town, but I also was in Soweto, you know, outside Johannesburg yes. and saw... Yeah. Uh, the need for that. And in fact, when we were there, we were helping out on one of the housing projects. Um, but wow, it's that's uh, incredible work. So when you, you seem like you're a woman with some big dreams, are there is there anything on the horizon that you're ex- kind of dreaming and envisioning for the future of, of your work? To be very honest, I keep I keep so busy here with hands on that. Um, I, people say, well, do you want to expand? Let me just explain. A part of what God has called me to do is to pour myself um, into the students. But one of the things that we are working on this year is teaming up with an economic um, enterprise organization that is going to further train the students in how to run successful businesses. And my personal aim is that each one of the teachers in our program will be much more highly skilled and become completely self-sufficient so that whatever may happen to Evangeline in the future, I will know that they will be able to fully take care of themselves because they have been fully trained and ready to go out on their own. That is my personal goal. As for growing the ministry, we partner here with a wonderful organization. And with them, yes, we are planning to see how we can increase um, the number of students that come to us, yes. Hmm. 
Uh, well, we've been talking uh, to Dr. Wendy Ryan, uh, a graduate of Eastern, uh, which promotes the show. Uh, but uh, we're here every week at this time promoting Red Letter Christianity. Uh, if you don't know about Red Letter Christianity, go to the website, redletterchristians.org. Or if you're in the UK, redletterchristians.org.uk. And uh, Wendy Ryan has been a missionary for 13 years now in uh, South Africa, being a journalist prior to that time, and uh, serving Christ so effectively. I love the way she got this thing started. She went and she asked the people what they wanted, what they needed. She didn't come and impose her ideas on the people. She listened to what they had to say and responded to needs as they saw their needs. That's the way to do missionary work. Mm. Incorporated Bible study and evangelism into the work she's doing with Evangeline Ministries. You want to know more about her work? Go to www.evangelineministries.org and, uh, excuse me, .com and find out more about it. And uh, she needs financial support to help uh, give these women scholarships and buy sewing machines for them. So uh, help her out if you can, and I think you can. And I'll tell you, one of our dreams has been creating a little uh, micro-business marketplace where you can see all these goods made all over the world. So uh, uh, you can keep that in your prayers. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see all the things that are made uh, there in South Africa and around the world. So keep an eye on our website too, redletterchristians.org, and you can see all these wonderful people around the world living out the work of Jesus and justice. We're out of time, but join us next week. We'll see you then.